what I'm noticing is that's been really killing it for us. Where and it even will beef up accounts where if a client's trying to negotiate on an account, but you're like, hey, I'm, we'll throw on PPC for free and you're already spending this much. So we could just make you five more clients or 10, whatever the number is for them. They're like, oh, let's, okay. Then they'll beef up their SEO retainer. The fact that we're month to month is also somewhat of a guarantee, which is like, dude, if you're, if you don't like us, like you can cancel us the day before, we'll refund you. Like we, I tell people up, like I try to turn clients all up front. Because once I've done that, it's like you've underpromised so much that when you deliver pretty quickly, it's, oh shit, you're the guy. I'm John Wright, and you're listening to Affiliate BI, the business intelligence and affiliate marketing podcast brought to you by Statstrom. In this podcast with Sean Chaudhary from Alchemy Leads, we just had a pretty informal conversation where I said, hey, let's do the podcast. Um, I don't have questions prepared and we're just going to start talking anything. Obviously, it's going to be with SEO because Sean is an SEO expert, consultant, and he runs uh, quite a few businesses. And the the direction of this chat was interesting because I started asking him about some things that I'm looking at going, how do we incorporate an offer into what we want to do for our company? And can this actually apply to affiliates? And just from listening to a lot of books on, you know, books from like um, Alex Hermosi on $100 million offers, I just figured there's something there. And it's funny that Sean maybe disagreed with it, but I'm just going to let you listen to the conversation we had. And there's a lot of really interesting sound bites here. So it was unscripted, no formal questions. We just started talking and I started asking questions as we went along. So I hope you like this episode. I appreciated that you're, you become some of a resource just in that realm, knowing what's out there and, and what companies. I, I, yeah, I'm learning so much. Like I knew I wanted to get in the space. Maybe at some point, maybe I might want to become an investor because I, I didn't know what it looks like, but I knew I would learn a lot by being humble and saying, you know what? I don't have this extra million in the bank. I'm basically taking my hat off and go, Hey, I, I want your money that I'm willing to risk my name and reputation where if I mess it all up, then I, I've really shit the bet, if if that were to, to speak. But I just figured I watched a lot of companies and people level up where they took on investment and then they just skyrocket. I'm like, there's a reason why venture capital has really done what it it's done. Does everyone need to do it? Maybe not. But I just felt like, okay, let's not use that as an excuse. And I'm going to learn from it. And looking back on it, it's I don't regret anything. Like I don't regret, actually, the only regret I could say is that I wish I tried this years before, but maybe it would actually have been bad timing for me. I think timing wise, this was the right time for me to do it. I, I needed to learn a bunch of mistakes or make a bunch of mistakes before I could realize what I was getting into and just be ready for it. Yeah. Wow. And positioning, right? Like it's all those years of effort and, and learning and getting to that next level where you stuff just works out. Okay. But and. Back to that question though. I think that question is an interesting question. Are you more grind culture or structure? Because I've noticed like a, a bit of both. And so, and there's like a place for both, but that balance, finding that balance is so everything. And so for me, like structuring the day has been so important in a way where I allow every day, I allow for a little bit of flexibility and it's usually the same things like like picking up my kid, having dinner, doing some homework, that kind of stuff. But it can be like going to the park, doing something random. And 
just having that little bit of freedom, like you have to get away from the forest sometimes. You can't see the forest in the trees. Yeah. And so just that little bit of space I find is, has been helpful. Just to, to answer that in a different way, by doing this podcast, I've been, I, I have a, a great chance to talk to a lot of business owners, guys like you. A week ago, I recorded uh, an SEO that I didn't know too well, but his story is pretty cool. His name is Barry Cazzoni. He's got a search intelligence limited. And, oh, yeah. And oh. his story was literally this. He was like three years ago, I was one person struggling as an SEO consultant. And then I, then he started sharing his content. Then people started throwing themselves at him saying, I really want your help. And he's, if I'm, I'm going to take your help, uh, I'm going to charge you 5,000 pounds. I'm like, I'll take it. And then now he, like part of the insight that I shared of uh, that podcast clip was that Back then he was doing like 500 pound clients a month and he's like, now 500 pounds won't even get you a meeting with them. That's, that's amazing. I mean, you, you can't even, you can't even pay him 500 pounds just to meet with them. Like he's, his time's that valuable and he's now got 70 people for his company. So what I tried to take away from hearing about guys like him that have basically said, what do you need to do differently? I asked him a couple of questions and he said, you need to sometimes take yourself out of the business and go, you can be super busy and do the same thing over and over again. But if you don't take yourself out of the business and start learning the different ways of optimizing your time or going, maybe I can put this in an SOP and hand it off to someone else. If he never did any of those things, he wouldn't be to 70 plus people. And he shared like what he has for aspirations of how much money he wants to make next year. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. It's just a lot. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I know. I think I know the realm. It's, yeah, he's doing well. And it's great to hear. I'm happy for, for his story, but I also think that story is relatively common in our space, which is awesome. If you look at some of the fastest growing companies, I would bet most of them are in our space, just in the digital space, branches off into different things. But I think delegation, that's such a huge point. I'm trying to get better at it. I don't think I'm, I'm anywhere near where we will be in five years. So just looking back five years. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, delegation is something that's, that's super key. I think, have you read the book? I think it's Finding Back Your Time. No, I've read a book on delegation. I forget what it's called. It's not that book. I think it was not bad, but I'm definitely going to be writing down this one. Yeah. Dan Martell, Buying Back Your Time. And it's pretty interesting. And also the Elon book also, I think is a good story. And so what I'm trying to do more is simplify. And if you look at what Elon does, he tries to eliminate everything. Any task that he has to do, he's trying to eliminate it. That's really what he's trying to do. So if there's a thousand parts of the process, he wants to make it one or four as simple as possible. And, uh, and yeah, I think there's a simplicity and delegation and systems and also just structure, right? Like having people in place to be your support. So you don't have to do all the nitty gritty. I think that's what this upcoming year, I think that's the next, that's the next phase. Yeah. I think it's interesting. We're literally freestyling this, this podcast and I've been thinking about the, this concept all year round going, how can I get better and giving myself a self-report card of going, what could I do better? And I know delegation is definitely one of those things. And I, I think for me personally, by doing this podcast and chatting with like amazing people, it's, I'm starting to realize, okay, this person is one of their core elements of success actually comes down to this. It's when I ask them questions that they're not really answering that, but they're giving you the uh, indirect answers as being, that's an important part of it. And I think for people that do any sort of masterminds, I think that's when, if you actually start sharing, okay, this is what I do for my business and 
I think if we were to have people come into our business from outsiders, the big, why are you doing that? It's, I think that's where it's confiding someone to your house. And if you've not cleaned it up, it's, you should have your house clean all the time. Yeah, and of course, each side of that too. Sometimes you invite people over and they're like, wow, your house is amazing. Why didn't you tell me about this earlier? I think that's the other thing that I deal with is a little bit of imposter syndrome and it goes away, right? It's like a feedback loop where, and it's really probably based on some, I probably need to see a therapist or something. It's probably based into some deep. We all do. Yeah. We, and, uh, and I'm all for that. I definitely have in the best, but in terms of this, uh, I don't know, this whole process of in business, there's so many different hats that you have to wear. And if you're trying to do everything and you're not surrounded by great people, you're not going to probably not going to succeed. And I also have to be a little bit crazy as well to do some of these things. Yeah. It's just, uh, I forgot the question to be frank. There's not really any questions, but I got something I want to talk about because we're yeah. talking about trying to delegate Because this is going to be, <laughs> can we clip this up at all or no? We can do whatever we want. Oh, we, we, we might want to keep it though. I know it is funny. It is. And, and it's right by Christmas, right before Christmas. So it does feel like a nice little holiday chat. Yeah. But in, in terms of this uh, topic of delegation, I think one thing that's actually difficult, it's not just delegating within your own team, but delegating outsourcing. Here's the challenging question, which this is what you have to deal with all the time as a business owner that does SEO, link building and all that. It's how do I know that if I spend money with you, that I'm going to get the ROI that I need, that you are going to be that perfect delegation partner? Because like, I'll give you a story where I was working with an affiliate and then I had an SEO person that I knew. So I thought I trusted the person. I gave him $10,000 and then the guy basically ghosted me. That 10K was spent on with PayPal. So PayPal has a refund policy. On the very last day, hit that refund policy. I think it was four days later, PayPal put the money back. And then the guy was like, oh, sorry, man, I had some shit in the way. I had this big client. I'm like, no, you didn't have a big client. You just basically were hoping that you'd keep the money. So I, I know from my point of view, it's I look bad in front of my friend. He's like, you brought me into this. You almost lost my 10 grand. And that I had a friend, she literally went through that same person and that money actually disappeared. So business owners are scared of getting burned and anyone that, that get, that has the authority to make that spend, they are also very paranoid that if you, this doesn't work out, you could actually be costing them their jobs. It's like, how do, how do people make the right decisions when finding people like you to, to hire? Like how, how should they solve this problem? I think that's such a great question. And I think it's like a fundamental question in every process. So even if you look at us or like our own companies, my company, your company, we also have some things that are outsourced. For instance, I have a great automation and email team. That's not necessarily in-house and to find them, to be frank, I had to go through three other wrong companies this year. Yeah. So like someone said, it gave me a quote. And I don't know if it's true or not. I actually want to look this up and maybe misinformation. So we should look this up. But he said something like the Wright brothers didn't make it on the first time. They made it on the 13th time. And so he was like, so even, so even if you're going to fly the plane, you're, you want to fly the plane. It may not be the right plane, but you want to fly. Yeah. You know, there's a job that needs to be done. There's upside there. So let's say whether it's SEO or email, like in my case, it's using an email partner that kind of became really instrumental in our growth. They've become now more than an email partner. They're telling us things we didn't even know we should do with onboarding and motivation and, and processes. And so they're making us even more scalable because we're that much more efficient with the same amount of people. But they started as an email vendor 
And so the way that I think the way that you check the dots is really just finding out in some ways, showing and proving, right? So they were very almost like, Hey, not, don't even worry about money. Let me just show you that I can, that we can do this for you. So they jumped in, we paid a small setup fee, but it was really minimal. And they basically set up the whole process and like, okay, once you get the leads, you pay us on closed deals. So they had some things in place where it was like preview work. Of course they had as well, case studies where it was like, Hey, we have another agency just like you do this. So in our case, I think it's the same thing. You have to have some sort of, you have to know that people are going to be around. There has to be some sort of longevity there. So if I'm doing business with someone and, and their LinkedIn has like a different job every 18 months, I'm going to be a little bit more sketch. The irony is that I'm talking with another company where this one person's background is like, you've not had anything consistent for more than three years, over, over 25 years. Yeah, that's a big red flag to me. And so like little things like that. So the separators are going to be like, how long has this company been doing this? Cause there's so many companies popping up and in our space because it's digital. What is an, an experienced company? And like a four-year-old company can be an experienced company. Yeah. I actually just met with a, a really big company out here in Denver and they're four years old. I was like, wow, they seem so much more established out here. And uh, they're four years old. There could be a lot of differences in processes and systems, but I feel like companies that can put their money where their mouth is, whether everyone's doing this guarantee, oh, da, 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 we'll give you your money back. I think that's like base. I think that's like teethless is that word. I, I think that yeah. there's no substance there in those guarantees. Like some of the things are like, whether you do it month, month or if it's pay for performance, that's something we're trying to get into a little bit more, which is, like, hey, I'll manage your spend. But if we make you, because there's a lot of money that you miss on the upside, if you're doing fixed rate retainers. So it's like, hey, some of our clients, we've made them like seven figures in the first quarter, an increase of what they were doing previous or that season. And it's like, why are we charging 5,000 a month when we could be charging bonds for that quarter? So little things like that, that you have to, uh, you have to also test, is this, is your agency an agency that will take on every client or are they, you can tell you, not every client's a, a good account for you, right? You can't take on all business. You have to, agencies have to know what their system, like who works for their system. And you can a couple of, maybe one conversation with the company, you can pr figure out pretty quick, is this just a script or is this, do they actually have a repeatable system in play? Can they show me? The other thing I do all the time, I don't know if it's allowed, who cares, but I'll show them like, Hey dude, look at one of our clients. Here's literally something that's happening right now. And it might be like, oh, they made a lot more money or, oh, they have more green arrows going up and to the right, that kind of thing. So they get a chance to see it. There's something you mentioned, which I, I try to look at people that have success and go, what are, like, I, I feel like I'm good at recognizing patterns. So one thing I think I've noticed with people is that they've had consistency. So when you're talking about how, you know, it has this SEO agency been around for years, I think a lot of people, when they look at people, they see the tip of the iceberg, they see what success is now. They don't see what you've gone through to get there. And I think in terms of hiring an agency, I think that's one thing you want to look at going, do they have a track record of success and have they been around for a long time? And I think, I think everyone just struggles to stay patient or to be good at one thing and just master that. And to be frank, well, just to add to that and, and to piggyback off your story of, of someone getting one over on you, communication is so key too. So in this space, a lot of what we do, even when you're running Facebook ads or Google ads or that's about as tangible as it can get because they can see a dashboard that says for every dollar you get $7 or whatever yeah, it is, right? So they can see that. But with SEO and even with design and web development, it's a little bit different. If we're doing the migration, you don't necessarily know what is the upside of the migration and what is the downside. It's a little bit hard to tell. 
And a lot of what we do is not tangible. And I think what agencies struggle at and what we're trying to get better with as well is sometimes like almost like the deliverable will be like a spreadsheet. Okay. Here's your optimization or whatever, whether you implemented or we implemented it. And it's like the job ends of that spreadsheet or that report, but there's no thought behind it of, okay, yeah, beyond that spreadsheet, what are like other things that you could just do and not even send me a spreadsheet behind the scenes. There are things like the dot that you can't really spreadsheet on behind the scenes if you're doing stuff in code. So it's, it's been commoditized. There'd be some, some agencies in like the report and, and some clients have been trained, even the big corporate enterprise clients, I find this the most where they've been trained on, okay, we need a, to, for, and then we need a weekly update to on this or that on the, some sheet. And it's dude, all that is you're doing not that you're actually hindering whatever work would have been done. And so like different agencies have different focuses and trying to separate yourself from the pack is tough in this space, but I feel like they can pick it up pretty quickly. If that person you were working with was on top of your campaign, you were talking to him all the time. If you texted him or shot him an email, he hits you back in 20 minutes. You're like, oh, fuck, it's almost so fast where you're like, is he even doing anything like that fast? And all of our clients can try to do that kind of thing. It's so you can tell the difference between American Express or Credit One. It's you can feel it. So eventually they feel it, but making it tangible is like the thing. And sometimes that communication is what makes it tangible. And other times what we're trying to get better at is like automating when we send out gifts, like we're sending out actually a, a lot of gifts for Christmas, like actual money back to clients. And so we're like, Hey, we're doing this for Christmas, but could we do this on every couple months for them? Could we automate this every six months? They get a nice little, they get an iPad or something. That would be pretty cool. Like, you know, like this, whatever. So little things like that to make it more tangible and make it feel more like a product you've been loving or should. When a client signs up, should you send them, and this, we're, we're going to talk about it. Should we just send them a, a box of cool things with a shirt, alchemy shirt, and maybe some coffee melts and some cool stuff, depending on the type of client, maybe even personalize it, you know? So little things like that, all just to make it more tangible. And once you see that companies are even thinking like that, or agencies or partners are even thinking like that, it tells you a lot because like you said, in the beginning of this conversation, where we are now compared to five years ago or two years ago, it's all of a building process. So to get where you were now, you had to probably make a thousand mistakes to figure out this is the way. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting because, um, you know, no one really gets stuff in the mail anymore or at all. It's like, we're all in this email, everything environment, and we're actually looking at going, what are the things we can do for our company to be able to send to people and go, is it a shirt? Is it a mug? Is it a notepad? It doesn't matter. It's still a box in the mail. And even if it's a card, like, Anyone sends me a card that's from one business to another, I'm ecstatic. If that will literally go on my fridge, I'll be like, that's cool. Same. The same. I have the same things on my fridge, you know, that uh, just a nice handwritten note can go along. All right. So I'm going to challenge you on taking a step back where we talked about offers, where you said like, the money back guarantees are. Oh yeah. Was, I love that. So I just finished a whole bunch of books on, what's the word from April Dunford on not pitching, not presentation. I'm losing the word, but then I followed up with Alex Hermosi. Yeah. Prospecting. Then Alex Hermosi, I forget his like hundred million dollar leads and hundred million dollar offers. Oh, yeah. So I read that and I actually believe that he's had a lot of success because I think there's actually a real, maybe science behind oh. it because uh, ClickFunnels apparently built a lot of their business on this whole like offer and a guarantee. And if you think about all these, those cheesy infomercials. It's all the same recipe. And I'm just wondering if there's actually something to it. Cause I'm looking at this going, 
is this something we could actually include in our company? Like we're a SaaS company. We don't really do consulting, but it's possible we could do that. And I started looking at a couple of SaaS companies that, that did that, that have a, a SaaS service, but then do an upsell. And I'm just thinking there, there could be something to an offer. It just feels like people have this inability to go, like you said, with the, with getting an iPad, people will do things for anything. So I'm just wondering if you still think, is there a time and place for an offer, whether you're an affiliate, a SaaS company, SEO agency? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. So I'm not knocking the science behind the offer because obviously there's so much psychology behind it, really. Like everyone makes a deal, basically, right? And Hormozy, of course, is the legendary top 0.5%, top 0.1% marketer. Of course, he can pull it off. But what I've seen, I've deleted social media recently in the past like six months. And just for different reasons, what I used to see all the time was a bunch of different ads with basically the same BSL and the same script. It's like, here's a call out. Here's a, Hey, accountants, we promise we can get you like, it's literally a three sentence thing. Like we promise we can get you this in this much time or your money back. Like it's a middle of three, you could just plug and play, put different things in there. And so that kind of, so we're talking about everything getting commoditized. That kind of gets commoditized in my eyes because people can see pretty quickly what's BS or BS readers are getting really good. And I think we're also overloaded with this guru shit. Like you, and, and just hit yeah, on, on the Hermosi point, of course, people deserve to be there. They're, they're up at the top for a reason. So I'm not necessarily talking about him, but I'm talking about there's a thousand agency owners out there, millions, and they're all doing YouTube. They're all probably really good marketers. So like, they're all out there. So to me, like what separates you is being unique and standing out and standing on something. As Drewski would say, standing on business yeah. and, and basically, you know, so like a good offer, an example would be, so sometimes in our email sequences, if we'll send prospecting emails, we'll say something like, Hey, look, book a call. We'll talk about it. But if it's not worth your time, we'll give you two links for free. Yeah, we'll actually give them two links for free. And what ends up happening is one, they feel more comfortable booking the call and two, almost never do they actually follow up on, Hey, look, give me the two free links. They almost never do. And when they do, it's okay, cool. Two, we'll add it in with two free links, not a big deal. So little things like that to make it a little bit more tangible. Or I've seen, I think I've seen people say, Hey, if I'll buy you a coffee, if it doesn't work, like little things like that may go a longer way than uh, the money back guarantee. Cause just like you, what you said. That guy who scammed you, he could have said a money back guarantee and it would have been right. You know what I mean? Everyone could have a money back guarantee if they just charged back on the fraudster. You know what I mean? So it's just, I don't know if it, there's a movie about it. Everything can be a guarantee. I forget. It's a a classic sales movie. I think with, it's a classic sales movie. Guarantee. There's a whole skit about the guarantee. Everything can be a fucking guarantee. I can guarantee you'll feel good right now. Yeah. I can guarantee you, you look like a men's warehouse. I guarantee you'll look good in the suit. Bro, what if I won't look in the suit? But it's so compelling. And I, I think, yeah. you know, my way of validating why I think these guarantees and offers do work is think about how many people we know that have been scammed, like cryptocurrency scam. Here's my reality. So we're a startup. We we did a well, fundraising no, round. No, story like this. Oh, yeah. I, I've got lots of them. So we're a startup fundraising rounds. I asked everyone. I think I even hit you up at one point. And uh, so one of my friends I hit up, I sent him an email, no reply. And then months later, he's, hey, bro, um, he's like, I-, I sent this money out to cryptocurrency, like it was for mining. I'm like, okay, he, without even knowing what the deal was, he, he got scammed. But basically someone hit him up on Instagram and then basically said, if he 
pay money, then we'll mine cryptocurrency for you. So he paid money. And then they came back to him like a month later and said, oh, we've made you 10 grand on your two grand investment, but you have to pay 1800 fee for us to send you the money. I'm like, Jesus. I'm like, not only did you get scammed, you're very tempted to double down on it. <laughs> and so I, I struggle with a legit real offer. And I think, think the only IT would have helped in that case though, John? Do you think it gave the, to act it up? Yes, it, it definitely would have. And you know what? The irony is I didn't use any guarantees in, in my pitch. I didn't want to. I know if I actually had to redo it all over again. One, could I offer some sort of guarantee without being fraudulent? I think there's a way I could have pitched it. But at the same time, I also felt that scammy to be like, here's an investment opportunity. You can't lose. And I know if I actually was, if I really wanted to be a scammer, I'd probably have, I would have taken a lot more money. I probably actually would have got more money from the friends and family versus the actual pro investors. The pro investors would be like, it's clearly a scam. Yeah. The friends and family would be like, oh, this is a great offer. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Exactly. And for me too, like I, so I don't know. So we've been definitely been trained on the guarantee for sure, but I just feel like it's teethless where like when you get, you know, you can say hundred percent customer satisfaction guarantee. Okay, cool. You could just say that it, there's nothing we really need about. So guarantee for me is just a word that's like, I just see it so much. I'm almost desensitized to a guarantee. And almost like you said, if someone promises me a guarantee on something, I almost have the other thing where it's like red flag. Crypto is a tempting example. Like when you think about some of these coins and it's all oh, you stake and you make 400% every month. On the, is yeah. that How is that amazing? And so some of these guarantees you have, if someone in SEO says, hey, I guarantee you you'll rank. You're not supposed to say that. That's not, you're not serious. But so there are workarounds. You could say, I guarantee you the keywords we work on, a portion of them you will rank for. You can guarantee some fine print around it. But like, I just don't love the guarantee. I would much rather have someone say, hey, like, if I waste your time, I'll fucking, I'll get you Airbnb gift card for 200 bucks. It's like, oh, okay. All right. I had a guy that actually responded to a cold email today. Man, what a G. I wish I could share my screen. Basically, it's, sells at water machines and basically responds with, Hey, Sean, let me know your real buy a water machine. Then reply to this email. I'll look out for your order and we can talk. And I'm like, Oh dude. So he's like, he gets probably a thousand spam emails a day. So he's like, cut through the bullshit, order a $200 product. Talk to me. People just want to see someone who's real. And I've done that before too, where it's like you, uh, they have a $50 product. You buy the product, you talk to them about the product. And that's like, you're in. I just feel like people want an actual person, a human being in this guarantee. It's like, it just fits like a formula that a lot of people are doing, you know what I mean? It, it doesn't stand out enough, I feel. I'm going to probably test this out a little bit yeah, where yeah. I interviewed Oliver Kenyon from ConversionWise. Well, and... it's little, dude. I'm going to be wrong, but for me, I'll have my contrarian beliefs. I'm yeah. curious that if he redoes our SaaS page, if it's actually, I'm going to say, it'd be cool if we could do some sort of guarantee, but I'm going to leave it to them. I'm going to leave it to them because I trust that they've been doing this for a long time of going, how oh, do we yeah. build the best landing pages? So. If they say, hey, this is definitely what you don't want to do, I'll beg. I'll trust it. If I see a 100% customer satisfaction guarantee on there, I'm going <laughs> to No, but it's all good. You're good. You're probably right. I don't, I'm not saying that all, the, all this is drilled down to science. It's just my personal, almost like intuition, feeling of the world, almost yeah. like perception. So that's really all it is. You mentioned about how you had this cold email that resonated with the guys getting like a thousand and... I think cold messaging is, I think it's a tough thing to break. In the last couple of years, we've been blasted with like marketing automation. It's basically email automation software where you could just blast uh, cold messages. And I think I'm starting to believe those days are almost over where you look at someone like BB, who's BB the link builder, and 
She's basically she's advocating that let's just be as real as possible. So how do you incorporate that into your no, campaign? I love that. I love that. And BB is dope and she personalizes everything. And, and what I can say about cold emails, I actually don't think it's ever going to die. We act, so we may be late to the party. We had cold email back in like 2017, 2018. And my quick question was like, you? <laughs> and we phased out. We get a lot of inbounds from our SEO. We rank for like CBD marketing, local SEO, um, some other cool ones. But Basically the email marketing piece, we, that's essentially what we got established this year. I think I referred to them earlier when I, I brought in an agency and what it's done for us, it's made revenue growth so predictable. It's really just a numbers game. So even if you may think that nobody responds, that may be true, but if you can get 1% of the numbers that you're sending out on, and this is not for link building, this is for sales, right? For right. So if you're sending out, I don't want to do math at all. But uh, if you're sending out 50,000 emails, 1%, 50 to 500 leads a month. So little things like that. And they're all different levels of warm, right? So the best thing that you can do is in that sequence, add as much personalization as possible. And even in your list, we segment, but we have a bunch of different campaigns. Shout out to Instantly. Instantly, I think .ai, right? Instantly, yeah. yeah. They're so good, dude. I I love them. Like they're so, we have so many mailboxes going through, sending out so many I don't want to burn myself out, but instantly AI is good. And basically you, you take as much time as you can to personalize what you're saying to the audience you're targeting. So we have some campaigns targeting D to C brands of a certain size. So we've, even in our data that we're hitting, it's already been segmented by what are they doing in revenue? What are, do they have a Shopify store? Yeah. Are they long ads? So the people that we're hitting are pretty relevant to the message. And then we'll have another campaign that's just B2B focused. And those are similar things where it's like, okay, what type of, are they on WordPress? What type of store are they on? And then are they also running ads? And that's a big indicator for us that we can tell that they're running, let's say 5,000 a month in ads. It's an easy sell for us to be like, Hey, you're already doing this shit. Let us make you more money. And then getting back to the guarantee, because this seems to be a central theme now that I'm like, <laughs> you know, I, guarantee. I guarantee you're going to look, fuck it. You look good, John. I guarantee it. But uh, getting back to the guarantee, right? What something for us that's somewhat of a guarantee and especially tying into the ad piece of it is SEO is that long-term game, right? So a lot of times and what we're doing now, I would say with three out of every four new clients that we bring on are running ads. And so we're like, Hey, we're going to do the SEO. You pay us for the SEO, but we'll run your ads for free. And that's in a way, in some ways it's like a guarantee because what normally ends up happening is whatever they were spending was all over the place and it was inefficient. So as soon as we come in there, clean, clean it up within like the first month, they're like, holy shit, it's so much better. They can feel it. Again, getting it back to being tangible. They're like, oh shit, the phones are in, the Shopify notifications are going on. And, and so then the SEO trust is already built. And so things like that are a guarantee. And then long-term what happens whenever you build trust is like, eventually they'll spend more and more on ads where it's like what you were doing for free. They're like, okay, no, now let's put that on the retainer, let's put, you know, um, so you just get stickier and deeper, you know, with clients, with accounts. So what you're saying is your scheme is basically a hidden guarantee, which is a great offer. Yes. Which, which is what you were trashing earlier. Oh, gotcha. Was I trashing it? You're saying like guarantees are fake. Here's the thing. Oh, you're, 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 you're not, you didn't guarantee anything, but yeah, yeah. you indirectly almost made a guarantee without even trying. Like you did it in an authentic way. Yeah. And I, I don't even think it's that, that innovative. I feel like 
companies do it. And what I'm noticing is that's been really killing it for us. Where And it even will beef up accounts where if a client's trying to negotiate on an account, but you're like, hey, I'm, we'll throw on PPC for free and you're already spending this much. So we could just make you five more clients and 10, whatever the number is for them. They're like, oh, let's, okay. Then they'll beef up their SEO retainer because they know they're getting a deal. So it is, you want to give someone a deal. And then, so there are other ways I think as well that we can, I think the month to month, the fact that we're month to month is also somewhat of a guarantee, which is like, dude, if you're fucking, if you don't like us, like you can cancel us the day before we'll refund you. Like we, I tell people up, like I try to turn clients all up front because once I've done that, it's like you've under promised so much that when you deliver pretty quickly, it's, oh shit, you're the guy. And you're the one who's also not desperate. It's exactly, exactly. Yeah. Which is the the irony of being in our situation. It's as we get closer to finishing our funding round, we're just like, no, we're good. Yeah. Or we tell people, no, they're like, what do you mean? No. And by the way, I, I eventually, I think it's a sign of good things to come. I did want to invest. I think you gave me a couple of days and I told you, I just got to a point where we're getting there (laughs) and you're like, Hey, boom. And uh, I think the round closed like that week or did it close or it's closed. Yeah, it, it's, it's officially done. It's just now paperwork part. Fun. Yeah. Fun. So. Delegation, by the way. Yeah. We got to spend time on things we like. So hopefully you're not doing the paperwork part. No, it's, I'm definitely not touching that. We, we've exactly. obviously got a lawyer for that, but yeah, it's the other things that I need to start delegating. So I'm going to, I'm going to probably have to listen, re-listen to this episode, doing a drive with the, the Christmas holidays coming up. I think there's a lot of, again, I feel guilty. I'm gazing all this stuff. I'm like. I'm applying this to our company. So I hope someone out there could apply this to their business. And I think there's something there where what you're saying is like adding like these uh, special add-ons. Hey, we'll throw this in for free. Tangibility. Yeah. You're giving someone would be like, they, they'd feel silly saying no. And I think it goes back to Alex Hermosi's book where it's like, make a, an offer that they feel stupid saying no to. And I think you're doing that where you're saying it's not original. You're not the first one who's ever done it, but. I don't think enough people do it. And I'm looking at how we do it ourselves. And I'm wondering if there is something that can be done or analyzed that gets applied to affiliates. I, I believe there's something there. I, I from the background of uh, doing casino bonuses as this is basically a giant offer page. And it goes to the saying, you look at some of the biggest affiliates from a marketing segment, it's almost like 20% of affiliates seem to be like coupon codes, offers. You look at top cashback, what are they? It's top cashback. It's what, 300 people in the company now or something like that. It's and there's like, even if you look at like Kata and Racky, there's a whole sort of industry around some of these things. And uh, yeah, and then when you get into casino stuff, like your cost for acquisition is so typically, you know, a little bit higher and so you're running ads. If you're an affiliate, you're running ads, you're doing probably your own SEO, you know, um, I think, so I think this is highly relevant to, to anyone, even if you're running ads, you're doing anything, it's all about tangibility. Like you gotta actually, even if you're doing things behind the scenes, the only thing that makes it feel real is when the phone starts ringing and when the orders start showing up and when you start seeing activity on your dashboard, like oh, green arrow, that's like all the spreadsheet work, all the changing, adding schema or doing whatever you're doing to the page, content refreshes, internal linking, all that stuff really doesn't matter until they see, oh, hey, these guys are actually good or this is actually working. So that's the, that's the light bulb moment that we're all trying to get to is, oh shit, I like these guys. So I'm going to summarize this episode as one, we've got offers, but the first one is to really delegate. Two yeah. is find a way to get an offer in there. doesn't matter if you're an affiliate site or SEO agency. And three, Sean, how can people get a hold of you? We know you do great work and I think people would probably benefit from your uh, SEO expertise. 
Yeah. They could just go to our website, Alchemy Leagues. They could fill out a form or they could just call us. We have a number there and, uh, and yeah, we're, uh, we're growing, we're taking on new clients, but we are a little bit picky. So I'm not even really tripping. I am going to be starting up a, a little bit of a YouTube channel and, and that's going to be cool. And that may be a shit show actually, because I'm just going to be myself as much, and that can be dicey. So that's probably the next thing to look out for. So yeah. yeah. It'll be entertaining. I guarantee it. We'll see. It might get you in trouble. I, I just, you never know. People, well, the, the other thing I think we could have a whole nother show about is just being yourself. I think there's something to be authentically yourself. And even if you're a little bit polarizing, really what it's doing is like separating the oil from the water. The people that aren't going to be with you are not going to be with you. And the people that are going to be with you are going to resonate even more. And anyone I talked to, uh, Kyle Roof said that his uh, inbound has just gone through the roof by being on podcasts. Uh, last week when I had Ferry Cazzoni on from Search Intelligence, he said, as soon as he started putting himself on videos going, I don't know what this is going to lead to, but he basically had clients throwing themselves at them. So I think, I think you're only going to create more problems and needing to delegate more because you're going to get more business. I believe people want to buy from people. And when I did my post summarizing a uh, Ferry's insight, I basically have been reflecting on who would I buy from today? And the answer is, it's a mixture of things. People who put themselves out there, give away a lot of free content. And if I've had the opportunity to have a one-on-one with them, I can tell very quickly if they know their stuff because they just start telling you things. If I do a call from a fractional CMO like Andy Culligan, the guy's, yeah, he's trying to sell me his services, but he's also giving me free insights. I'm like, I feel guilty. I'm like, he's just giving me half hour of his time, giving me good insights. But if I don't buy from him, I know he's good. I will recommend him. And, and I've done that. Yeah, I think it's, it's beyond the transactional part of it. It's just like, do you, are you useful to people? Do you give value to people? Same deal. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to the Affiliate BI podcast. I'd like to take this time to ask for a small favor to leave a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. That helps us expand our reach to rank higher in podcast directories and reach more listeners.